You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hey, Live Different Podcast listeners. As you know, our podcast is always sponsored by the travel company for young people, under 30 experiences. I am on my way to Bali for three amazing weeks to hang out with other like-minded young people. And I can't tell you how excited I am. But the good news is if you can't travel 24 hours to the other side of the world, you still can hang out with awesome young people in your local city. We are currently on a road trip across the United States, uh, all through the West, Chicago, Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, L.A., uh, Las Vegas, Austin, Nashville, back up to Chicago. I probably missed a couple stops along the way, but if you're interested in getting involved, involved <clears throat> even all through this September, we are going to be having under 30 experiences events, especially out on the East Coast, uh, starting off with Boston and New York and D.C. and Miami, Fort Lauderdale, et cetera, et cetera. We have a vibrant community of young people who are sick and tired of the status quo. So check us out, under30experiences.com, and you can see all of the locations across the world that we travel to, as well as under30experiences.com slash blog, and you can see all the information on our road trip and our local events, and we would love to have you come out for a drink and hang out with other cool young people. Welcome, everybody, to the Live Different podcast. Today, I am here with my good friend, Daniel DiPiazza. And uh, I was going over Daniel's credentials with him and why he might be fit to be on the podcast and how he precisely lives differently. And uh, then he reminded me that he was actually our third episode ever, which he's still upset about because he wanted to be number one, of course. But Daniel is the founder of rich20something.com. He helps young people get freelance gigs and be able to uh, go out and, and live free. Uh, he also happens to write for a couple publications that you probably have never heard of, like Entrepreneur, Fortune Magazine, Forbes, and has a column in time, but uh, he's, uh, he's very modest, so he, he almost didn't let me say those. Is that right, Daniel? Yeah, we can't really talk about it. I'm, I'm legally obligated not to talk about it. Okay, good, good, good. What's, uh, what's going on? You're in Venice, Venice Beach, is that right? Yeah, man, it's, it's nice outside. Um, just woke up from a, a little nap because I've just been, just been training real hard this week and just welcome to the world of living, I guess. I, uh, I like it. I like it. So last, last podcast, um, I think it was episode number three, I described you as a freak of nature, which we have a lot of freaks on this podcast, but you kindly reminded me that Venice is the home of all freaks and uh, you're just trying to fit in. Is that right? Oh my God, man. It's, you know, Venice Beach... I've se- I saw the scariest fucking clown in Venice Beach <laughs> last week, and I was with my uh, with my cousin who came who came down to um, to California, or came over to California, and you know I meant to show her a good time, and she saw so many weird people in Venice. I don't think she's ever going to come back. We saw the scariest clown that looks like his face was melting. We saw a grown man in a diaper. We saw um, we saw like a trio of midgets we saw i mean it's just it's crazy down there it's like a it's like a 24 7 freak show um all right all right yeah. well uh thank you for thank you for filling us in what welcome to venice yes yeah, nice. welcome to venice nice um so i think that you would consider yourself a freak but in a slightly 
different way. And um, since we saw each other last, which was not all that long ago, we were in Peru, made our under 30 experiences trip up to Machu Picchu. And since then, which has been you know a month or two, uh, you have secured yourself a book deal. Your Instagram following has grown to 100 plus thousand people, um, which is really pretty cool. And you're also, uh, your community has grown. We're running a trip to Costa Rica together uh, for your freelance domination community. And uh, you're also fighting MMA and training like an animal. And where, where, are, you, where are you fighting next? Uh, I'm going to be in Atlanta next weekend doing a fight in Atlanta. I made myself a little a little uh, tour schedule. No one's sponsoring me. I'm sponsoring myself. So <laughs> I, have, I have fights in in Atlanta, and then uh, and then September it's Dallas. October I'm doing uh, Miami and Seattle, and then in November I'll be back in Long Beach for the World Championships. But not MMA, Jiu-Jitsu. But I mean, you know, it's it's kind of in the same family. Sorry, Tom. Yeah, I want to get this right. Yeah, it's uh, it's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, someone actually told me, or I heard recently, uh, a lot. I think a lot of people, definitely a lot of people in the podcast, uh, in the podcast game, if we should put it, are have connections into in, uh, to MMA. I just went and trained at the Onnit Academy here oh, in, in nice. Austin. Yeah, I'm so jealous. Yeah, it was it was really cool. We could talk about that um, a little bit. Yeah, we could talk about that a little bit more. But so. Is it true that uh, there are less head injuries in uh, BJJ? Well, yeah. I mean, it's not a striking sport. Um, it's you know when it's combined with MMA, you're going to do uh, you're, you're going to do striking and jujitsu. Jujitsu is basically grappling with submission. So it's like it's like a specialized form of wrestling. Uh, that's then, but then it also has chokes. It has um, like joint manipulation. So like arm locks, leg locks, things like that, really nasty things. And it's, uh, it's a, it's origin is in judo. So Japanese judo. And at one point there was no jujitsu. It was all judo. And, um, over time, kind of the, the two, I guess, lineages split apart and jujitsu became its own art, uh, independently. And so jujitsu focuses mostly on ground game, but they also have throws too, and lots of cool, pretty useful, Thanks. Huh. Okay. So you're um, so you're not throwing kicks and punches. You're mainly grappling, wrestling on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. No kicks and punches. Um, but I mean, it's you know what I realized when I when I first started um, jujitsu and I started training oh, jujitsu in two thousand nine because I was I was doing movies then and I was getting ready for a movie and they cast me in this role where I had to learn. MMA and jujitsu is part of that, and I started learning it. And you know, when I first started learning, I'm like, "Oh, what good is a martial art without kicks and punches? Like, this is stupid. Why would I ever do this?" And <laughs> over time, I realized that everything. Have you ever played like a um, like a video game, like I don't know, like uh, like Mortal Kombat or something, or Tekken, and like all the different characters have their own fighting style? Sure. Yeah, I, I realized that like. Jiu-jitsu is just like any other fighting style that you know that you'd use like that. Like some characters in those video games don't necessarily do the same moves as other characters, but they're equally as effective if you know how to play with them. Hmm. You know. Um, and so what I realized is that jujitsu it's not like a, um, it's not like an incomplete art. Just like Muay Thai, which doesn't really have a lot of ground stuff, also isn't incomplete. It's just one form, and it's more about how the martial artist themselves develops, uh, and it's equally. It's equally destructive and equally difficult and challenging to learn, and it's a lot of fun. 
Huh, that, that's interesting. I took a, uh, a Muay Thai class and I cannot kick for the life of me. So <laughs> at some point I'm going to have to get, uh, at some point I'm going to get into it. But um, yeah, I would, I would like to try out some jujitsu for sure. Yeah, I mean, Muay Thai is brutal, um, and it's really, it's a, it's, a great, it's a great sport and a great art, too. Um, I guess you really got to find the thing that you're going to stick with, right? Because, mm -hmm. like, they're, they're all, they all work, they're all good, and you got to find the thing that really makes you enjoy the art. Kind of just like, I don't know, did you play an instrument in school? Uh, absolutely not. I did no. not. <laughs> I did, wish did, that I did. Did you want to play one? Dan, I think I was absent that day in third grade. Oh Literally, God. I think I was absent that day, and then I oh found out God. that every no, listen, everyone else was going to band or to orchestra, except for me and this kid Bupinder Rai. And I don't know what Bupinder's deal was, but uh, he and I got extra recess, so we were like, screw playing instruments. We get to play. We get to go and like I don't know, play basketball and football or whatever. That and sounds like so, the greatest tragedy I've ever heard. I mean, because you missed out. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> instruments are awesome. Such well, is life, I guess. The well, the whole point is like um, playing an instrument is uh, it's kind of like a very individual thing, and some people just aren't gonna like playing the violin for for whatever reason. They just don't like the way it sounds. They don't like the way it feels. And you know, some people are gonna prefer a trumpet or a clarinet or whatever. It's same thing with martial arts. You got to find the one that you like enough to keep doing it consistently. Um, so like for me. I liked Muay Thai a lot, but it, it's kind of like it wasn't intellectually stimulating enough. Um, whereas Jiu-Jitsu is literally like human chess. There's like 4,000 things you could do from any position, and all of them can really be amazing and it, uh, like really painful and dangerous and awesome. And so you just got to find the one that you like enough to keep going. Okay, so let's, uh, let's bring this back to business and also people who are, are really into um, – into podcasting and into the type of stuff that we talk about on, on this podcast, a lot of them are into, into fighting other people. And it seems uh, it, it's, it's, it's not so much like just pure man versus man. We're going to just beat the crap out of each other. Like you said, it's human chess and you get to check your ego. And there, you wrote an article, I think, for Business Insider or Entrepreneur about why getting your face bashed in was good for you. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, dude, and this is something that, um, that I think Joe Rogan says a lot too, and it's totally true. You should have something or someone in your life that humbles you consistently because um, I think a lot of times we forget that, well, one, you know, you're not the baddest motherfucker on the planet and you need to respect everyone because you never know what someone's capable of. And two, um, it's just healthy to have a reminder of like where your place is on the food chain and healthy to have a reminder to keep working at your goals. Um, and so that's why, that's why it's healthy sometimes to, to just be, to just have your best efforts at something still not work. So the example I gave in the articles, I think is on entrepreneur business insider was that, you know, sometimes you'll be fighting with someone and struggling and, the reason why you come out on top is because you just insist more, and the idea of insisting is kind of like a kind of like a Brazilian, like a Brazilian colloquialism in terms of um, just how it's how it's said. So when we're training, and we're in the middle of a grapple, and let's say you're putting a choke on someone, your instructor from the sidelines will be like, "Insist, insist the choke." And when I first heard that, I was like, "What do you mean, insist the choke? I, I do insist. I'm insisting," but what he was really meaning was like you have to 
you have to persist for long enough to for long enough to for the, your desired action to take effect. So like sometimes when you're holding a choke, it's not just like a little a little like one or two second squeeze. Sometimes you have to squeeze for 10, 15 seconds, you know, for that thing to happen. And you have to really, really want that in order for you to like fight a resisting opponent. Cause this isn't like, it's not like fighting a training dummy. It's like a live human being. that's like thrashing around for their lives, trying to breathe. So you really have to insist. And so it's the same thing in life, man. It's like, you want to start a business. That's cool. But saying you want to start it and actually putting in the work when you're really, really tired. And when the environment is resisting you, that's much more difficult, but it's the only way to do it. Okay, so you say when you're looking at things, uh, so you mentioned your goals, right? And right now, your, your stuff is blowing up, right? You're gaining thousands upon thousands of Instagram followers every week. All of that is then converting to, to your business, to your community. You're getting people to know about Rich 20-something, and you are, um, you know, this article that I just mentioned went pretty viral. If I, if I remember correctly, a lot of people ended up reading it. A lot of people are coming across your stuff right now and, and having you help them as part of your community at Rich 20 something, uh, start their freelance gigs and pick up work. And, um, my question for you is why, you know, when the, when the fire is hot, you got to strike. Now, why are you going all over, uh, all over the country uh, and now practicing something completely different, focusing on a completely different part of your life with the fighting? That's, that's a good question, man. I mean, I think, um, I think, I think timing is part of it. And it's like, this is the right time in my life. It's, um, I think that right now um, the business is cool and I'm enjoying it and it's growing, but you know, we have to have something that fulfills the, the more human element of us, something that fulfills the, the, um, the the really passionate side of us and i have a lot of friends who are so deep into their businesses that that's that their business is also their hobby which is really cool but for me i have to have something else to think about and focus on otherwise i'm going to kill myself or go crazy or or both you know um i need some sort of like constructive distraction because um i i need i need active rest and i need downtime from the business stuff. And I'm not, not that I don't enjoy the business, but I need something that's like just for me. I need something that's like not on social media. That doesn't need to be posted on a social media account. It doesn't need to be like, uh, like put out for public scrutiny. I just need to do it for me. You know, and I think everyone needs something like that, where it's just something they do for them. Like Sarah, which we talked about last time, she's a pole dancer and it's like super athletic, um, skill that she's developing. But she, I mean, she has, she posts it sometimes on social media, but it's mostly just for her. And, um, and I think it's really important because like one thing I've been really thinking about, Matt, is I think 90 something percent of people in the world don't ever focus on getting really fucking good at something like really good, having a, having a skill or like a hobby that they get really good at. Everyone has like a passing interest. Like, oh yeah, I strum some guitar. I can play a song or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I don't know. I'm just making up shit. I used to build, you know, model trains. They're all right. But like, do you know how it's so satisfying to be really good at something? It's so it's so satisfying and to become to become like one of the best at something. I was, you know, and I don't want to even want to make any more jujitsu analogies because you guys get it by now. But like, when you see some of these guys, the level that they have in terms of like the skill that they have with the fighting, it, it's so it's so good that you're like, man, this is this is some um, some like some life changing shit. And you can do that with anything. I mean, 
think think about it like this. Like, why do we why do we have you know seventy or eighty years of life and most of us never learn another language? Why do we have you know all this time on our hands and some of us never even leave the country? Like, it's really important to be to have some some depth to you because I think we spend our whole lives wanting extraordinary things, but then like being ordinary. And I don't, I, I say that I'm directing that at myself as well, because it's a reminder to myself, but like we have all these extraordinary visions and we watch all these fucking TV shows and we get pumped up and we want to have this great life. But then in reality, all we're doing are ordinary things and average things with our day. And so to get to those results, you're going to have to do things that are above average, things that are sometimes painful. And sometimes that means waking up early in the morning to train, or it means like working on that language when you would rather be watching Netflix because Netflix is much more interesting. Or that means like taking the risk and going on a trip, even though you're scared that you might not fit in, you know, like you have to do those things in order to get those great, those great, really satisfying moments out of your life. Otherwise you're going to always have this thing in the pit of your stomach where like you're kind of content, but you know, there's more, but you're too scared to go and reach for it. And that is worse than, than trying for me. All right, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna let you keep going on this on this rant because I like it. So now, if someone's listening right now and saying, "All right, yep, guilty. That's me. I like some stuff. I wish I was good at some stuff. I don't put in the work. Um, you know, I'm just a generalist. I I dabble here and there in some things. What can they What can they do other than just do the work? I mean, that's pretty damn good advice. Yeah, I mean, do the work for sure. But like, I think. I think one of the most common misconceptions is that you have to find something that you're already passionate about to do it to you have to find something you're already passionate about enough to start doing that work. And I think that's asked backwards because the reality is passion follows skill and skills only develop over time. Like your love for whatever it is you choose. Let's say it's like chess. You want to be you, you think chess is kind of interesting and you start picking it up and playing it more recreationally and then maybe start playing competitively. As you get better at chess, you're going to like chess a lot more because you're going to start beating people. You're going, that's going to feel good. Then you're going to start picking up little skills, tips, tricks, and habits that like a beginner wouldn't even understand. And it's very satisfying to pick up advanced things, you know? And then you're going to start making uh, a community of like other chess players who are on your level, you know? Uh, in, in with, with jujitsu, I see those guys at my um, at my at my my gym, which is Verdun Combat Academy, Verdun 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 is the um, UFC heavyweight world champion. I see those guys more than I see probably anybody except my girlfriend because we live together. I see them five days a week, and I go. And I'm there. I'm in the gym like seven or eight times a week, and I see these guys all the time. And and I even see them outside the gym. So you're going to build those relationships, right? So like, in order to become passionate about something you have to become good at something if I, I don't like golf i don't like tennis but if i woke up tomorrow and i was serena williams if i guess i was a girl i guess if i woke up as a woman and it happened to be serena williams i would love tennis because i'm fucking great at tennis because i'm the boss at tennis you know <laughs> but and you know what if i woke up as serena williams not only would i like playing tennis but i'd like watching it and i want to talk about it because i'm awesome at it but i don't want to do that now because i suck at tennis but the thing is you have to find something you like enough to start and then really really continue even when you suck keep going develop some skill and the passion comes which is why all this i don't like all this lifestyle stuff about you know oh find your passion that's cool and i think it has some merit but i think find something you you can become skilled at first really become skilled and then see how passionate you get
That's, uh, that's pretty cool. I hadn't really thought of it that way. Um, and, and I totally agree when it comes to just different things that you eventually get. Speaking Spanish, yeah, it's not fun if you can't say more than four words. Yeah, but once yeah. you start to be able to have conversations, which takes work, then it's really fun. I love, Matt, you know, I like, love to speak other languages. Yeah, think about it. Like, like when you can tell a joke in someone's native language and they laugh genuinely, isn't that the best feeling in the world? No, absolutely. And then here I am talk. You know, I find other friends who also like speaking other languages. Yeah. And then I like to talk about the nuances between different countries and yeah. you know, what uh, what the difference in different romance languages are and, oh, the different colloquialisms that I find funny and the translations, how, you know, and I'm always talking about that stuff with other people who, mm -hmm. it, who enjoy that. Or, yeah, of course, uh, another perfect example, nobody's going to like the first yoga class they ever Hell take. No. It sucks. Like, you were just... You just get downright embarrassed. Your ego gets put in check. And then once you realize that it's okay, that's the point, okay? Or, you know, once you get choked out a few times, that's not going to be fun. I'm not, I'm scared to go to a, to a gym and get choked out. Like, that doesn't sound like fun at all. But once I know how to defend myself, then that could be a little bit, of, a little bit more fun. Um, but yeah, it just takes, it just takes commitment, I think. No, absolutely. And, and being really skilled at something opens up a whole new world of opportunities that didn't exist to a beginner. So tell us about that story um, from Peru when you were on the train and you, you met that guy and he gave you that book. And that was a whole that was a conversation only in Spanish. Sure. And it wouldn't have happened unless you had started with hola. Right? How sure. did you get talk about that shit? I mean, that's a whole new experience. Tell us about that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, basically, uh, we were on our way the the train to Machu Picchu, and uh, I got separated from the rest of the group. My ticket was put in a different car, so I was like a little bit bummed. You know, it's seven o'clock in the morning. It's an amazing uh, draw or amazing train ride through the Sacred Valley, and you know, it's a. a train with uh, glass ceilings so that you can see the tops of the mountains through the Andes and you're driving up. And uh, yeah, this, this couple, a Peruvian couple, um, sat down across from me and they were from Lima. And uh, they, yeah, they were a young couple, nice enough people. And I forget what I said to them, but I just said, oh, you know, I, I don't know. I probably did start with Ola, but you know, I, <laughs> I, they asked, oh, they asked me where I was from. What, usually once people know that I speak Spanish, they, um, are, they're a little bit more taken back in Latin American country, countries. And so they ask questions, well, like, how do you know Spanish and blah, blah, blah. So I started telling them uh, what I do, et cetera. And we, you know, and I, I started to, I'm beginning to be able to express really the way I feel about different topics and different subjects like I could in English, you know, so I was talking to them about sustainable tourism and what it means to me to bring people from North America to see a, a country like Peru that's so different from the United States. And so we're getting all into the nuances and talking about uh, the poverty that they have in their country and how the different regions of the country are so different. And so we're having a great conversation. And this guy just goes off about uh, Peruvian politics and how it used to be a state that was run uh, by the government and how there was so much violence in Lima uh, through the 80s and the 90s. And he's just telling her like 
horrible stories about uh, police brutality and uh, the military and just bombs going off in in Lima. And this is where we bring travelers now from North America anyway. And a lot of the conversation was actually over my head because he was referencing uh, he was referencing movies and using lots of colloquialisms, and he was also talking about, you know, history of something that, um, yeah, he was just talking, like, it was a very in-depth conversation, especially about politics, and uh, it challenged me, but I was like, whoa, this opened me up to an entire new experience while traveling because I can communicate with these two people, and he took out this book out of his backpack, uh, and he asked me if I had a pen, and the book was called, uh, translated into, into English, uh, basically Create or Die. And it was all about innovation in Latin America, and it was by the Miami Herald beat writer, uh, written, the book is in Spanish, um, and he wrote it out to me, and he, uh, he addressed it to me. He said, you know, a few nice things. Remember our conversation up to Machu Picchu. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, he handed this book over to me, and now I had something to read. You know, I don't often read in Spanish just because, I don't know, I like to read in English better. It's a heck of a lot more fun because I'm not very good at it. But here I am again on that, on that path, on that journey, trying to be really good at a certain skill. And I don't know. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean that that whole that whole experience from meeting someone new to like him actually giving you something and learning a lot about his country. That's something that you wouldn't have gotten without your devotion to a certain skill set, right? And so you you needed that skill set to have that experience, and that's why I think it's important to become to become really good at something. But but speaking Spanish just for the sake of speaking Spanish isn't that fun, and learning a new language when you suck at it isn't fun. So you can't get to those experiences like the one on the train without pushing past some of that not fun stuff. And I think that's what you have to remember as you're doing stuff. As you're, as you're, as you're learning the skills, remember that the whole point is to push past this in order to get to the good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And if you have a, a goal in mind, like, oh, I'm going to win this fight, or, um, oh, I'm going to go and give a keynote presentation in a language that's not my own, um, I mean, that's really, that's really important. And Daniel, can you just mute? We're getting a lot of feedback. Can you mute yourself? Oh, uh, sorry about that. That's okay. Um, yeah, if you have an end goal in mind, I mean, that's, that's what keeps you motivated. You, yeah, I'm not the best surfer in the world. I can go out and I know how to mess around and I can have fun with it. But if I was way better, if I put in the work to be a really good surfer, that would be really, really fun. And, but if I have that goal in mind, I had the goal in mind because now I can, com with Spanish, because now I can communicate with a billion more people on the planet. To me, that was very worth it. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's, and think about that too. Think about, just talking about languages, think about how many people you're unintentionally sequestering yourself from because you don't speak their language. Like, I bet there are some cool-ass people in China that I can never talk to because I, I don't speak Chinese or, or Mandarin, basically, you know? Absolutely, and you want to be able to communicate and understand what people are like, and there's no better, no better way to do that than to communicate in their own, uh, in their own mother tongue. Um, mm. Okay, so I wanted to ask you about downtime, right? Because people listening to this are probably like, all right, these are both two very type A guys, and... I would both say that we have fairly extreme personalities and interests, and once we get into something, we really attack it hard, and we're going to, you know, we're both goal-oriented goal and, and uh, driven to do things, right? But 
you need a balance. So it's to me, I'm like, oh man, all of your hobbies, Daniel, are. Wait a second, you just got a book deal, and you're writing for all these uh, for all these publications, and you're blowing up your social media, and you're going to try to fight um, on a on a countrywide tour and you know you're going to come and, and still travel and come to Costa Rica with us and and we're going to run a trip together all of that is very time intensive and for you just to pick up another language or do something I mean you got to really commit to things so how do you achieve that balance the the age-old work-life balance question is what I'm basically trying to ask you because I sure as hell struggle with it why do you ask me questions like that why, Man, why do you <laughs> because I because I struggle because it's like oh done with work done with working out done with yoga uh, okay let me just dive into the Spanish language I mean it's, <laughs> it's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff and I try to you know I try to not make for example my yoga practice be about <laughs> checking the box or or um, accomplishing something it, because. I just want this to be a nice part of my day that if I make it there, I make it there. If not, I not, not, but I know that's not going to get me to be like the ultimate yogi of the world, which is not the point, but if I want to get really good at it, it takes commitment. So yeah, I'm struggling with it. That's why I asked you. Mm. Yeah. I mean, so I'll, I'll tell you some things I've been doing recently that have been helping me a lot. Um, I realized that for a while I, so and I think we talked about this last time, but it's relevant. Um, in, I think, around October, November of last year, I was super burnt out. And I was feeling tired all the time. And I just wasn't feeling energized. I wasn't feeling engaged with my life. I was just feeling, you know, and it wasn't like a, I wasn't depressed. So it wasn't like a long-term thing. But it was just a little rut I was in. And um, and I, didn't, I just was feeling pretty tired all the time. And I made some changes, so... I dialed down my like my physical work. I got more sleep. I started eating better, and things got things got better. And um, and then as this year has progressed, uh, so we're in 2015 now. So for whenever you're listening to this, we're in uh, middle of August 15. Um, what I realized was that I needed to like look at my time and evaluate where I had the opportunity to make more time and where I was wasting time. So um, basically, the way my day is. I wake up in the morning, and up until pretty recently, uh, I was waking up around, I don't know, 7.38. Then I got um, jujitsu stuff at, at 9. I do that till about 11, 11.30. And then, you know, I couldn't really make it into the office, which is just the co-working space. I couldn't really make it in there until 12 or 1, just because of the way my day was set up. And it was kind of throwing me off, because if I made it in at 12, you know, I'd have a good five or six hours to work before I, I really had to come home because, um, you know, my girlfriend and I live together and it's, it's important that I spend time with her because when you're in a relationship, you have to consider someone else's feelings. I can't stay at the office till 11 and then come home, only go to sleep and not give a damn about her. And so I have to have that balance. Right. Um, and I was like, man, where am I going to get this time? Like I have other things I need to be doing. Um, and what am I going to be able to do to get this time? back in my day because I'm basically starting my day at one o'clock every day. Um, and I'm still not getting everything done that I need to. And what I realized was that I had this limiting belief, uh, that was stopping me from getting more done. And it's going to sound stupid now that I built it up, but <laughs> that limiting belief was that I need to stay up later. So I have this, I guess it's since childhood. I can remember this memory where, 
in the summertime, my mom used to make me go to bed maybe at like seven or eight, and I could hear kids playing outside. Yeah, I think I, we, yeah. we've talked about this. You and yeah. I, my mom used to put me to bed too. I was like, Mom, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck? Like, did you have, and, and I, grew up in, I grew up in Michigan, and it was like, you know, summer, and it was nice outside, and like I hear kids playing and laughing, and my mom would put me to bed. And for some, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know, I sound stupid because it's a childhood thing. People, I don't know if people resonate, this resonates with them, but like I just had a lot of, I don't know, like pain around being left out. I guess it's FOMO, fear of missing out. Um, and so I had this thing where for up and up to the past couple of months, maybe about three months now, um, since I had this realization, I always wanted to stay up because I'm like, oh, something might happen that is exciting or that I need to be involved in. I guess those are my subconscious thought processes. And now I realize there's nothing going on. At, after a certain amount of time, it doesn't matter what time you go to bed. And so now, uh, what I've been doing is I've been going to bed so early, Matt. I've been going to bed at like, like 9 p.m. or like maybe even 8 or 8:30 sometimes. And what that allows me to do is allows me to wake up earlier. So I've been waking up around. It sounds stupid or like crazy, but around 3:30 or 4 every morning. Wow. And yeah, no, it's awesome. What it does is it actually gives me an entire extra day. Because it gives me like <laughs> – no, think about it. It gives me five extra hours in the morning. Yeah. I, so that's how I've been able to like – like I wrote, a, I wrote a big part of my book proposal um, that I've been working on. I wrote that in the morning time when no one's awake and no one's bothering me. I haven't trained yet. I'm fresh in the morning. And I got that out before my agent was up in New York and I'm in California. It's like I have all this – I have this block of time now that I own. And so what I've done with that time is not just work. But I've done it to, to include all the things I was missing out on because remember, between 1 p.m. and 6 when I was working before, that was just work time. But I didn't have any time to like meditate, stretch, read a fucking book, um, have some free time to browse the internet if I wanted to, like just regular time for Daniel time. So now that I got those five hours back, dude, my life has been so good. And I'll tell you one thing. I had a hard time waking up. At that early, not because I didn't get enough sleep, but just because the body's not used to being up at 3.30 or 4. Even if you get eight hours, if, if you're up at 3, you're like, oh, it's too early. So I have this thing, and I don't know if you guys know about this. Matt, you might know about this. It's something, it's a project that I helped work on for a while, and I'm super proud to have been a part of it. It's called Pavlock. Have you heard of it? Yeah, of course. Of yeah, course. of course. So I, have, I think I have one of the first models uh, like that's been shipped commercially. It is fucking amazing. So it's this wearable device. Uh, and I, I, don't, I don't have it. I'm not getting paid for this. I don't have any affiliation. Uh, I used to work with them in the, in the past, but it's by my friend Manish Sethi, and he invented this device that um, helps you to break bad habits or spurs you to do better ones. And it's essentially a wearable device that can give you a mild shock when you're not doing what you need to be doing. And let me just tell you, when you get a shock at 3:30 in the morning, you're fucking up. Like when, when you no seriously, this is it's the best thing that's happened to me. When I get shocked at 3.30 in the morning, there's no going back. Like if you hit snooze and you get shocked, there's no going back. So it's uh, it's really <laughs> helped me a lot. No, seriously. Seriously, man. Oh, it sounds man. dumb, but I wake up so easily now, and it helps me a lot. So, yeah. Daniel Z. Piazza, a freak of nature. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't even have to – I no longer have to defend myself. <laughs> or calling you a freak of nature. Because I'm shocking you... myself to wake up. Yeah, at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. so... you know, that does sound kind of extreme, doesn't it? 
Uh, yeah, I'd say you have a, a bit of an extreme personality. Here, I electrocute so. myself. <laughs> no, that's 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 awesome. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm thrilled to have crazy ass friends. It uh, works. Like yourself. Do it. But um, oh man, yeah. No, I don't even I don't even know where to go after that. So that's really cool. Might not work for everybody, but the point is that you've dissected. I mean, you just talked about stuff from your, your subconscious that you had to work out and why you uh, potentially were self-sabotaging because yeah. you just thought, oh, I have to go up and that make that puts stress on your immune system and you started getting sick and you started to get burned out where all you had to do was start going to bed earlier. And uh, yeah, I've, I've known, I mean, we talk all the time, so I've noticed your sleeping habits. So yeah, yeah you're yeah. up, uh, you're up and about it at different times. So that's awesome. Um, that's really cool. And also meditation is supposed to one of the best times to do it is when the world is very, very still in your time zone, which is like 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, and I mean, I think also another thing too is that if you live with someone, so if you live with a significant other or you live with roommates, even if they're not bothering you at a, in the morning, let's say 8 or 9 a.m., there's this like unspoken expectation that you'll be considerate of their needs and wants and help them with what they are doing in their day and, you know, talk. Uh, that would be nice. Sure. Go, hey, 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 we're up, but I need you to shut up because I am real busy. Oh, um, yeah. You're you're preaching to the choir right, right here. Right. You've probably even heard. I just put my noise-canceling headphones in, or I've, pro I've done this in front of you, I'm sure. It's just I go in, I go under, and I tell people, look, guys, I'm going under, and that just means... Don't talk to me because uh, either I'll ignore you or I'll pretend that you're not there or I'm just not gonna <laughs> I'm just not gonna hear you and please don't be offended but uh, when that's your girlfriend it's uh, yeah it doesn't a work little like different yeah. story um, yeah it's um it, but but you can you can completely eliminate that problem by just getting up before then <laughs> sure sure <laughs> just, I, yeah you well know, take take care of your stuff yeah personally I don't think I'm all up for for trying to wake up and go to sleep with the sunrise so i uh, and especially back down in in costa rica once i get back down there it's much easier to do you're surrounded by nature i mean live in the jungle so your 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 body is much more in uh in contact with nature right i mean you live in you live in nature and it helps reset your circadian rhythm i mean there's been scientific studies on this is if you go camping then if, you, if you're an insomniac, go camping because your body is all of a sudden going to be like, oh, I'm back in my natural environment. I don't have telephone, you know, I don't have telephones ringing and social media alerts and uh, TV flashing in my face and all the stuff with the blue lights, et cetera, that, uh, that mess up your circadian rhythm when, when your body naturally wants to go back to sleep. And uh, yeah, I mean... I, I love going to sleep at 8.30 p.m. in Costa Rica when I can pull it off. It's it Dude, really that, is amazing. That, that blue light shit is real, though. I mean, there's, like, checking your phone at night is such a, it's such an innocuous thing. It seems so benign, but it's it's a real, like, it's a real, it fucks up your your, your night and then your next day, man. Yeah, um, actually, will you will you go into that a little bit? Because I say it like it's common yeah, knowledge. Because like, oh, you would, right, yeah, because you and I know lights. about this kind of stuff. But yeah. uh, will you drop some knowledge real quick? Yeah, Daniel? I mean, there's just been a lot of research that shows that um, the frequency of light that comes from the electronic devices that are most commonly uh, used in, in the majority of households, so televisions, uh, computer monitors, and especially cell phones, uh, emit a frequency that triggers your brain to mistake that light 
that frequency as sunlight. So if you're in a darkened room but you're staring at a bright phone, uh, your your brain can't shut off because it it and it interprets that light as sunlight, as like ultraviolet light. And um, the interesting thing is that it doesn't matter if you look at the phone for an hour or just for a few minutes. Once you kind of trigger that, if you've ever noticed that you that you're um, you you can't sleep, so you check your phone and you still can't sleep, so you get frustrated. It's a cycle that builds upon itself. Like the reason why you can't sleep is because you keep checking your phone, and the reason why you keep checking your phone is because you can't sleep. Uh, absolutely, and and it literally uh, the blue lights literally inhibit your melatonin production, mm-hmm. and melatonin is the naturally produced hormone in your body that tells you when the sun went down. So when the sun goes down, or your body has melatonin, then you get sleepy and you go to sleep. Well, the blue yeah. lights actually block that. So you can download different apps, uh, which we can link up on the show notes on under30ceo.com, but blue light blocking sunglasses, even people wear at night, oh, yeah. dim, all, dim all of your stuff. You can get a something for your desktop computer or for your desktop and something for your phone as well, an app that, that does eliminate some of the blue lights. But uh, just wind down if you're trying to get to sleep and want quality sleep, you know? There's an app I have on my, my MacBook called Flux, and it just changes the tint of the computer um, according to where the sun is in the sky. So it changes it from like bright and, and blue to kind of like a an amber hue and it's interesting like you can literally feel the i guess your retinas like shifting and and changing and you can feel your eyes contracting uh and 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 relaxing based on just the colors that are coming out of your screen and when that happens you realize man there really is like a difference is being made by the lights i'm looking at and it really does keep me um it really is keeping me awake and uh, you know the thing is with all these Types of these sound like very new agey and very like uh, you know um, kind of like uh, a little weird and it so it doesn't happen right away like it takes a while like you might need to go you know a week or more without these screens by your bed to really start seeing a difference but trust me it's not like pseudoscience it's real shit right no there are definitely scientific studies and FL FLUX is that app right Flux. yeah yeah. Yeah, Flux app. Yeah, yeah it's really pe- cool. People look for overnight results, but no, again, your body uh, is regulated by your circadian rhythm, and he, it's not just a one-day fix, right? I mean, uh, I mean, even just to explore this topic a little bit more, um, there is a movement right now. It's a little bit paleo-esque, but it's called rewilding yourself. Mm, oh, God. Right? Okay, but... Uh, you can say, "Oh God, all, all you want," but this is, you know, we live in fa- we live in farms, right? Not farms like in the country, but we are humans pushed through this. Uh, we're humans pushed through this system that's designed for us to get the greatest amount of output out of us, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, but they do it in the cheapest possible way. So we eat the cheapest shitty food, and we we pump in this like fake air in the air conditioning and yeah people people get sick and we just watch this you know we watch these screens and people are never what i'm trying to say is people are never in accordance with nature and so yeah that's why your body is messed up i mean i I really do believe that so and so you had a really interesting facebook rant on this today uh and it got me all fired up i actually need to share that because it was a really good rant and it seemed like you were like passionate slash angry about it Thank you. And, I appreciate uh, that. <laughs> uh, so, so I don't know if you know. Um, I don't know if you know Jonathan Mead from Paid to Exist. Uh, he just he runs another blog, and one of his like 
one of his, I guess, his big proponents, one of the things he supports the most is um, human movement. And you mentioned uh, you mentioned Kelly Starrett's uh, Supple Leopard, I think, in your rant. Sure, sure, sure. And um, just the whole idea behind getting your getting your movement back. So, like, we sit in these desk chairs and we're like forced into these unnatural positions twenty four seven, where we actually forget how to like move our body. So, check out a kid. Like, go to a playground and you watch some kids. Some kids, any kid under like any kid like under 10 how they move like they can tumble around they can climb up monkey bars they can jump they can flip they can you know they can twist and um and all these movements are natural to them but as we get older i feel like we're getting stiffer and stiffer and weaker and um even even if we think we're like obviously the gym helps and the gym's it's a great tool for staying healthy but like even if we think that the gym is keeping us healthy a lot of times our our daily environment that we spend most of our time in you know eight hours a day is still crippling us and it's really important to like to like pay more attention to these chronic little aches that you have like there's a reason why you're always getting back pain it's not because your dad always had back pain it's because you're sitting in a chair you know eight hours a day staring at a a blue light and now you can't sleep and your back's fucked up and like so maybe maybe rewilding is a good idea no, I mean, uh, absolutely. I really believe in this stuff. And again, we can link up some of these resources like Jonathan Mead and uh, Kelly Starrett. The book that you turned me on to uh, was Becoming a Supple Leopard. But yeah. I've been on a little, uh, a little. well, I went to see my cousin in Michigan who's a CrossFit coach. And oh, God. He, start, he started making fun of me because my squat isn't where it should, you know, my feet are t- <laughs> yeah. turned a little bit out and... You know, but he's like, look, man, you have some serious issues that you need to work through here. Uh, it's way better. He said they're way better than most people because you do so much yoga. But still, you know, like high heels for women mess. Not that I'm wearing high yeah, heels, yeah. but high heels for women will really mess you up. And so for the last two weeks since I hung out with my cousin who knows his shit, I've been back at the standing desk, back going barefoot, um, you know, not trying not to wear flip flops, which sucks. There was a rant uh, on how just the position that you walk in and keeping your toes curled down like that. I looked at my toes and I was like, wait, I can't move them in a backwards direction. We should all be able to move our toes, but I have a lot of fascia built up from playing basketball and wearing sneakers as tight as possible for you know the first 20 years of my life. Um, <laughs> so all of that stuff, if if you're interested, definitely... Definitely look into that because just the human, you know, most people never bend their legs past 90 degrees <laughs> during I a mean, day. Well, one, one thing I caution everyone on who's listening to this is that, like, you can you can go from, like, completely, completely stiff and, you know, not being able to touch your toes to, like, becoming a posture and movement Nazi. I don't think that's the point, you know, because then it becomes, like, then it also causes anxiety, like, if you think you have anxiety about not having a flexible body, imagine how much anxiety you'll have once you have this knowledge and know that everything you do is wrong. Like, be careful because, you know, I have the Supple Leopard book and it's very, very good. But the idea is that, like, your posture, your movement, and the way you carry your body is always a work in progress. It's never going to be perfect. You know, your squat might never be perfect. Kelly Starrett, who wrote the book, his squat might have some things he's working on too. Like, don't get so into it that you you can't, like, enjoy your life and but, but the idea is to be aware. So, like, a simple thing, like, if you're on a plane for eight hours, don't sit on the fucking chair for eight hours. Like, get up, stretch yourself, you know, adjust your spine, know how to carry your, your frame. Like, those types of things really help long term. But don't, you know, um, 
don't get so obsessed with it that you become like really hypercritical of yourself all the time. Well, I will certainly try to take that advice I mean, you know, for I mean, myself, dude. Yeah, no, I mean, like, it's, I can't it's bend true. my toes up. What the fuck? I suck. Oh, my fascia. Right. You know, like, no, I mean, yeah, that's uh, a story of my life. But at least if I can be extreme, <laughs> if at least if I can be extreme about it, then people can start. Uh, you know, and I'm not, and I'm not preachy as far. As, I might be preaching right now, but I'm, I'm not preachy as far as like taking a ruler and whacking my 88-year-old <laughs> grandmother every time she slouches, which yeah, some yeah. people like that are. Or I, I, uh, I hung out with my buddy who was a paleo crossfitter, da, 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 and we're kind of rolling our eyes a little bit just because yeah, – right, right, right. and the reason we're rolling our eyes, right, and going yeah, – da, 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 because these people are preachy. And he was yeah. telling me a story how he went to his – his brother's girlfriend's place and starting rip started ripping shit out of the refrigerator and be like, oh, yeah. you can't eat this. I'm That's like, fucking they can crazy, eat whatever they know? want. But at least if we're able to disseminate this knowledge, uh, we, yeah, we can help improve people's lives a little bit because one of the big things that I took from Kelly Starrett and my, yeah, I go down rabbit holes sometimes, but one of the big things that he said that everyone can learn from is look at your posture. Are you hunched? Are you hunched over? Right? Is that and the question? If it is yes, that's the same posture as you being defeated, right? If you right. just lost a tennis match or your BJJ match or whatever uh, you're into, you're gonna lean over and you're gonna slouch and your head's gonna be down. But if you have a, if you have beautiful posture and you're confident and your uh, heart is you know, if your shoulders are back, right, and they would say your heart is open in a, in a yoga class, you would say that. But if you're just like ha can put your hands over your head and walk around the world with a positive attitude, you're not going to look defeated, which that article that you mentioned, uh, that is actually why that was that was inspired by a Kelly Starrett rant of his own that we look defeated. All of the, I, the opening up to the post was we are defeated because people are just slouched out and myself included. I have shitty posture, even though I know better. Yeah. I mean, and I think, I think you got to find that fine line between helping people with this information and then becoming like a, like a weird evangelist. Like there's like, and this happens in all, in all, in all these like fields that are really helpful. Also there, there always rises to the top, some sort of like evangelism that comes with it. It's the same thing, same thing with like, um, spirituality, like I'm sure you've met some people who are, who've taken spirituality so seriously that they like criticize others who aren't as spiritual. And you're like, wait a minute, that's not the point. Yeah, no, I, I agree. That's that's definitely not the point. And I get uncomfortable um, about being on a soapbox. And if people want to listen, they can listen. But you know, today it was a, a rant on Facebook, and people were, I think, 99% uh, of the feedback was positive. But still, you mentioned public scrutiny before. I don't want to be that guy who's just harping and preaching, but also that I know that I have a solid message in a relatable way to explain it to people. So I'm, I am very torn in between and still uncomfortable developing my own voice. Uh, but most people who are, probably most people, if I have 2,000 Facebook friends, right, like, most of them don't know about this stuff, and I want to. The the Facebook post was me with my middle finger up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really, really, really took a lot of time before I was really anxious about that because I didn't want to be too. I don't know, fuck the world, like da 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 da. But 
I don't know, there's a message that needs to be said, but uh, I, I'm still nervous and, and about how I come off, um, but I know that what I have to say is more important than what other people think of me. Well, I think also, like, you have to remember that it's all, there are, like, uh, there's a, a sliding scale and there's, like, a very steep drop-off in terms of, like, you'll, if you have 2,000 Facebook friends, you know, on a good post on Facebook, you might get 50 likes, you know, if 100 if you're on fire, okay? So then you get, so you're already down to, like, what is that? That's, like, less than 1%, right? And then from there, you know, fewer will even comment. And then from there, even fewer will actually take that, Thing that you just said and implement it in their lives in a way that actually helps them or changes their life. So it's like, you know, sometimes that's the reason why evangelists say the same thing over and over and over again, because the majority of us don't listen to all this input that we're getting because there's so much input. So like, you know, we're kind of already on the same page with some of that stuff that you were talking about, but maybe, maybe, you know, if only a handful of people saw that one or two people might take that into, you know, take that to heart and really have an impact uh, or have that have an impact in their life. And so I think that you have to do it knowing that like most people don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> it cut, no, I mean, it's depressing as hell. Thanks, Daniel. But You're welcome. Uh, yeah, no, no, no big deal. But it is, um, I don't know. It's, it's something that you put, and of course you feel so important about this message that you have to yeah, deliver yeah, to yeah. people and, and then all of a sudden, right? And then I'm even more uncomfortable about the people who are like, oh, Matt, you're such an inspiration. And I'm like, well, that's not the fucking point. Um, please don't say that. That makes I me know. feel uncomfortable. Like, if you liked it, share it or give it to someone who needs. Please don't. Uh, I'll, uh, it won't be vulgar. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. No, but I, I'm, I'm going to challenge you on that, though. If someone sure, says please. you're inspirational, why not just say thank you? Why, have to, why be embarrassed about it? Why cower to that? That's a great compliment. Yeah, I mean, probably because I'm not completely secure with the things that I believe, yeah, and because these are these are difficult concepts that are not what everyone else believes, and you you can hear it in the tone of my voice. I'm so choosy with the words that I use, and it pisses me off. I wish I could. Speak. I've been pretty candid because it's you and I talking to today, but I went to say the thing right for, that I clearly picked up from a, a yoga class, right, which was living with an open heart, right? I went to say that right. and then I caught myself and was like, don't sound like a fairy. Like don't don't overdo it. You know, you're probably gonna lose some people. And but seriously, if you walk with your shoulders back and your chest out and you greet people with a smile and you uh, show love to the people who you come across, your life is going to, your own life is going to be better and you're going to infinitely improve everyone else around you. And this starts with your posture, which yeah, I learned in yoga class, but I'm not, I'm not completely okay with it. And I'm, I'm happy to say that. And I think anybody who's listening who wants to produce content and especially try to get eyeballs and attention, like both Daniel and I write in a style where we get people's attention. You know, I, I flipped off all my Facebook friends today and uh, yeah, it's just putting yourself out there, and uh, but it is you have anxiety because we have these egos that are telling us that it's not okay to step out of line. Yeah, it's not okay to say what you actually want to say, right? Um, which is interesting because I think most people, myself included, when someone's speaking in public, I just, I just cut the bullshit, man. Like, there's no reason to make this into a PBS special. Like, just say what you actually want to say. 
and say it in the way that you're comfortable saying it, um, but don't censor it because you think I'm not going to like it. If I don't like it, I'll either tell you or I won't, but that's not going to affect how, what you should say. Um, you know, that, I guess that's a very American viewpoint, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'd like to ask you about kind of how you deal with haters because there's like the camp that set, there's the camp that says you should have haters and you should have people who don't like you. And if not, you're not being provocative enough uh, mm. or you don't have an extreme enough opinion or you're not really taking a stand. I think I take a pretty good stance on some of these things, but I don't have a lot of people who disagree with me. Maybe people are just like, this kid is such a dick and he's so full of himself and he should just, <laughs> sorry, I don't know what else to say other than fuck off. You yeah, know, maybe I mean... people say that, but they're not writing that to me. But now you have, for example, 100,000 plus people on Instagram. There's got to be people hating on you and, and your writing. I'm curious uh, as to how you feel about that. I mean, dude, and we talked about this briefly in Peru, like not even just my Instagram followers or my email subscribers or whatever, social media shit. I got people in my family who say fucked up things to me. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, you know, I don't even know. I, I, I want to, can we just officially retire the word hater here? I sure. just, I'm sick of hearing that word. Sure. What and it's just become, I don't know, we'll, 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 we'll consider candidates for new words, but I think that word has become overused and just like it's become meaningless and bland because people are like, People either see people see haters as a badge of honor, and I guess that's cool or whatever. But I just um, I prefer almost to not even give them a name because when you're giving them a name, that gives them some sort of like power. Like, oh, yeah. you have this place. You you are a dissenter, and I have to acknowledge the dissenters because the dissenters mean that I have some sort of value. Like you, like if you think that having a lot of haters makes your point more valid because you have this like rapid this this rampant uh, uh, rampant anti-following, if you think that's a good thing, then you're just giving that anti-following more steam, I think. You know, like, if you're like, fuck all the haters. You just said hi to all the haters. Why would you do that? Just ignore them, you know? Yeah, um, uh, yeah. so, I mean, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I get people who troll me. I get a lot of people who troll me and, you know, this, this, and that. And, and there's really nothing nothing I can do. Like, I could understand if I was, you know, some weird snake oil salesman, but, I'm, you know, I'm not, so... Uh, yeah, I think you're just going to get them and you kind of just have to move on with your life. And also most people, um, the, the comments that they make are a reflection of themselves. And you know what? We've all been haters at some point. I remember there's this one time, uh, this is back in college, um, before I started getting into, uh, well, I was, I was into working out at that point, but I wasn't like, I was still growing and still learning how to do all that stuff. And there was this one guy, oh man, his name was, uh, oh Eugene something, something, something. He's, so he was back in the day, back, this is back in maybe 2007, 2008, but yeah, about 2007. Uh, this was before information products had gotten to the point that they are now. Like information products are pretty good now. Like you can get some really high quality, like, uh, like um, educational things online, whether it's you want to learn how to make money or learn how to build your body up or learn how to become more spiritual. Like there's some really good opportunities to learn online. But back in the day, like maybe about 10 years ago, there weren't. And there was this one guy, he was a skinny guy who had uh, made his transformation. Now, his name was Anthony, uh, is that Anthony, um, something, something, oh, I'm blanking on I'm going to find him because I, I want to write a blog post about this. But um, I remember he showed some before and after pictures of like his transformation from like being 130 pounds and skinny and scrawny to like, I don't know, 150 pounds. 
and you know, looking like he's in really good shape. Maybe 160. I don't know. Not massive, but just made good progress. And I remember emailing him and and like just trolling him. And I said, "Yo, dude, this is fucking impossible. Like, why are you lying to people? You're on steroids. This is a joke. Like, fuck you." I did that. I did that. And yeah, and he, he responded to me. He's like, "Yo, if you don't like it, like, get out of here." But I'm telling the truth, so bye. And I and I just remember being like so aggravated because I'm like, "Oh, how could he be lying to the people? He's lying to the people." But now that I know a little bit more about working out, and I, I actually I, – I went to go find his name. I'm going to find it, and I'm going to tell you later. But I went to go find his name. I looked him up a couple weeks ago, and, like, I looked at his pictures again, and, like, it's a nice transformation, but it's definitely not steroids. I've seen a lot of steroids since then. This isn't that. This is just hard work at, hard working, good eating, and probably decent genetics. And I'm like, damn, I completely trolled this guy and hated on him and called him a liar and said fuck him, and he probably wasn't lying. And even if he was, who cares? Like, and, and so, and I think at the time that was a reflection of my frustration with not being able to get my own gains. You know, I was like, oh my God, why, am I, why don't I look as good as I think he looks? And so I, I trolled him. People do that to me all the time. I put up a, a little post on Instagram. I'm like, hey guys, you know, I started a few uh, freelance businesses that did over 100K. If you want to learn, I made a free mini course for you. That's all it is. And the mini course is just a collection of videos and articles that will explain how I did it. People are like, fuck you. You never made that much money. You probably work at Waffle House. Or like, um, or like, you just make money by scamming people talking about making money. And I'm like, but, but, but it's, it's free though. Fuck you. Or, or, um, or they'll go the opposite way and they'll be like, $100,000 ain't shit. And unless you've made a million dollars, don't talk to me. I'm like, but, but I don't, I don't understand how this isn't helpful still. You know, like, have you made a million dollars? I don't understand. Uh, so, like, you just get all these weird people, and I realize, oh, that wasn't about what I said. It was just a reflection of where they're at. And that's cool. You know, so, and, like, I had my uncle the other day call me a fucking huckster. And I'm like, but but I have a column in Time Magazine. I don't understand how I, I don't understand, I don't understand how, how I'm a huckster because I'm talking about either freelancing or, like, productivity in time. He's like, you're tricking people, you trickster. I'm like, how? It's a 500-word article, you dick. You know? <laughs> But so, and that's just a reflection of where he's at, you know? I don't know, he's fat, so. There you go, there you go. Way to wrap that one up with a, with a jab <laughs> at his weight, Daniel. This is, this is great, good quality. Uh, yeah, this is really, yeah, that, that was a super, I demonstrated a lot of high quality in my, in the, yeah, that was really good, good of me. That was good sure, of me, right? Sure, sure, sure. No, this is, this is really nice rant here. Yeah. Um, I, honestly, as long as people are trying to do good work that they believe in and help other people and put their best foot forward and being, again, being honest about it, People are trying to make it, and uh, people are mad a lot about a lot of shit, and people have a lot of pent-up anger, and a lot of it is a reflection on themselves. I, I absolutely agree, but if people just put their best foot forward, even if you're not, uh, even if you're not a, uh, ranting, a podcast ranting MMA fighter like Daniel DiPiazza, who just called his uncle fat on the, uh, <laughs> on, live on the air... His, his weight uh, look, goes in cycles. It goes up and it goes down. I think look, he's up right now. It's, it, I mean, it's about, it, it's about if you're trying to do good work that actually helps other people. And uh, I, will, I will give you the thumbs up on that, Daniel. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, look, you're, you're not going to do anything where someone doesn't just bullshit with you. You know, so, so what's the point of even acknowledging their existence? You know, people are going to troll you. And also sometimes... People just test you to see how you react. You know, they want to see 
like if they can get enough of your attention to warrant a response. I had someone who told me, who emailed me and said that they hope I got hit by a car this week. I'm like, okay, hmm. th- thanks. I don't That's know nice. what I did to deserve that. It was in response to an email about I sent out about this rapper named Little Dicky, who's this white Jewish kid. And I was like, did you guys know that he had the number one rap album in America last week ahead of like Drake and uh, and Kendrick Lamar, like this this unsuspecting white guy had the Jewish white guy had the number one rap album in America. Isn't that cool? Isn't that inspiring? Isn't that doesn't that make you pumped up to see what you can do? And they're like, hope you die. I'm like, o- okay. <laughs> you know, I don't know what to do. Oh man. You know? Oh man. Well, Daniel, I hope you don't die. I yeah, I, I want to. I, I really want to try to uh, to give so, everybody. I mean, this has been this is always as. It's always fun to talk to you and to uh, riff on this type of stuff. If we can, if we could try to leave everybody with something. I mean, this was very value packed, and there were there were lots of rants and people. Hopefully, people are pumped up at uh, at this point. But if we can leave someone with some value, I mean, what what is it that what is it inside of you that uh, that other people can borrow that makes you in in your own words successful? Uh, successful, successful, successful. What makes me? Um, so I think that the number one thing that uh, separates me from, well, I don't think I'm separate. I don't think I think I'm I think I'm one of the same. Uh, and we can talk later about uh, how I figured that out in in the land of ayahuasca, if you wish, maybe in a later podcast. But um, I don't think that I'm special or different. But I think the one thing that that helps me a lot is that um, if something takes 20 years to master or it takes a long time to become good at or it's the, the chances of success are low without a lot of commitment, I know that I can do it because the reality is like most of the things that we want to do in life, whether we're talking like business goals or health goals or you know anything, any way that you want to change your life, everyone wants to change their life. And so there's like this pyramid of... Um, uh, there's this pyramid of, uh, I guess, desire. And at the bottom, at the very base of the pyramid, at the biggest group, everyone wants to change. And as as that pyramid scales upwards, which correlates with time, people start dropping off until you get to the very top of the pyramid where only a few are left. And the idea is you just got to keep going. You know, this sounds super cliche and you know, like blah, 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 fast forward through this. But really, honestly, seriously, consistency, um, which goes back to if you want to tie it back into the martial arts thing, it's like, there's no – you see a lot of these are like really good martial artists and you're like, oh, man, I'm never going to be as good as them. Or you see a lot of people who have learned other languages or they play instruments or all these skills that they have. And they a lot of times the only unique skill that they have is they just didn't quit when other people wanted to. And, um, and I think that the most valuable trait you can have is when you don't want to do something, still doing it. Uh, I read this quote and I don't know who it's by, so I don't want to butcher it. But essentially it was like – uh, the quote was like, in, in modern society, in contemporary society, if you can survive boredom, you can have anything you want, right? Because, like, you have all these plateaus in your life where, like, things will get exciting and then they'll plateau. Sometimes they'll plateau for, like, months or sometimes years. But in between those high points, you're going to have a bunch of shit that you need to do in order to get to the next high point. Otherwise, you're going to keep plateauing. It's like your future is built on what you're doing in the past. So you have to keep doing these daily tasks, even when they're mundane, in order to get to the next level. So 
first you got to identify like what those tasks are. And if, if the example is learning Spanish because you want to travel the world, don't get frustrated when you are having trouble speaking conversationally, like push through that and still study it every day so that you can get it. And if you can keep doing that, even when you don't want to, if you can get up at, you know, four or five in the morning and study that stuff, even when you don't want to, eventually it's going to become much easier because everyone else who wanted that will eventually have dropped off. And consistency is the only thing that separates these super high achievers from people who just like also ran, wish I could have also wanted to, you know, that's the only thing, man. I love it, Daniel. I love it. I think that is a really good place to, to end off. And I just appreciate that you are uniquely yourself. You're not trying to be anybody else and, uh, you're making it happen. Appreciate you, man. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, of course. Uh, where can wh- what do you want to do? Where you, where can people interact with you? Um, could you tell them may- maybe about the course uh, that you give out? Is there a good place to, to find that? Yeah, I have a free I have a free mini course, and you know, um, contrary to what some people want me to do, which is get hit by a car, uh, it's <laughs> it's free, and it, it basically just talks about some of my experiences starting different freelance businesses and doing well with them and it's a bunch of really cool videos and it's different articles and lots of cool downloads it's all free and it's at rich20something.com so that's two zero with a number so you can go there uh rich20something.com and you can download it and uh you know be happy to help you out daniel look both ways before you cross the street i know it's gonna be that that dude who emailed me he's gonna be behind the wheel oh god well uh (laughs) best of luck man and uh yeah thanks for coming on thank you sir Hey, did you enjoy today's episode? If you did, I have a quick favor for you to ask. We are trying to spread the live different mentality, the mission right now, so other people can take advantage of all the stuff that you just got to hear about. If you could go to iTunes and leave a review and a rating, this will help us get on the iTunes new and noteworthy list. And that way, a bunch more people can hear about what we do over here at the Live Different Podcast. So I really appreciate it. If you want to share it, please do. Give it to a friend in need. That is what we want to do. And uh, keep doing good stuff. I appreciate it. Thanks.